Support for WGLT's Grow comes from FS Custom Turf by Evergreen FS. FS Custom Turf offers complete lawn and tree care services to preserve the health of yards, trees, and shrubs. Products and services detailed at evergreen-fs.com. Welcome to Grow. I'm Sarah Nardi. On today's episode, our guest is Chef Sean Sherman. He's the founder and CEO of The Sioux Chef, an organization that highlights Native American cuisine and indigenous food systems. Sean is a member of the Ogala Lakota tribe and grew up in the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. For the past 30 years, he's been researching and revitalizing pre-colonial ingredients and incorporating them into modern cuisine. Many of those recipes can be found in his James Beard award-winning cookbook, The Sioux Chef's Indigenous Kitchen. Sean will be participating participating in a series of virtual events with the ISU Horticulture Center beginning April 14th. Sean Sherman, welcome to GROW. Thank you guys so much for having me. We're also joined, of course, by Patrick Murphy of ISU School of Biological Sciences and the curator of the Fell Arboretum. Hey, Patrick. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sean. Sean, you're based in Minnesota now, but you grew up in the Black Hills um, with a pantry that was often stocked by government rations like flour, salt, and cheese. How much of a role did traditional Lakota cuisine play in your childhood? Well, you know, we did uh, grow up hunting quite a bit at a young age. We did forage um, things like chokecherry and a wild prairie turnip that was called Timsala. Um, and, uh, you know, we did gather a few things in the Black Hills, which were close by. We had a summer cabin in the Black Hills that we go to quite a bit. But overall, you know, largely the indigenous foods just really weren't there. Um, and that's uh, part of the big reason of the work that we're doing today. Sean, I was curious if you could educate me and anybody that's listening to understand the effects of of colonialization on native culture and native food systems. Can you expand on that? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, I'm a chef, I'm in Minneapolis and uh, I grew up on Pine Ridge. And when I was growing up, like you guys said, I was my, uh, it was commodity food program, which was mostly what was in my cupboards growing up. And, um, you know, I I learned working in restaurants at a very young age and I learned a lot about what you typically learn about in a culinary um, education. So a lot of uh, French cuisine, of course, and Italian cuisine, a lot of European cuisines. And the work really kind of struck me when I was a little bit older and had a chef career for a few years. And I had the realization of the complete absence of indigenous foods out there and really started to try and understand what my direct ancestors, um, how they were treating food, what they're eating, what they were harvesting, what they're trading with, what they're growing, and just so many questions around their food ways. And it was also the realization that this knowledge base hadn't been missing for very long because I looked at my, you know, the time frame when I was born, I was born in 1974 and 100 years before my birth, my Lakota ancestors still held on to 100% of their indigenous knowledge and food practices because they don't discover gold um, in the Black Hills until 1876 and then things go down fast. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was less than a century of the question was like, where did this knowledge base go, you know, of all of these pieces of how to harvest plants sustainably and which plants to use and which parts of the plants to use and all these traditions that should have been handed down to my grandparents and my parents' generations and then eventually down to me. But that disruption is a big piece as to why we don't have Native American uh, restaurants or food systems in cities all over the place, you know, so it's really hard to find a Native American restaurant, but we're all standing on Native American land that's rich with Native American history. So it really just became a search to try and understand all those pieces. And today, uh, with the work that we're doing with our nonprofit natives and also the work with uh, our for-profit company, the Sioux Chef, it's really just trying to understand and to try and harbor and steward a lot of indigenous knowledge. And you see it as a global issue 
because we see indigenous peoples all over the world that were affected directly by colonialism and their customs and traditions directly interrupted. And we just really want to try and bring back a sense of what is indigenous um, food systems um, back into today's world. So part of bringing the focus back to these indigenous cuisines is by working with pre-contact ingredients. Um, And those are things that were available to people here prior to the Europeans' arrival in North America. And you avoid using what you call colonial ingredients in your cooking. And I, I think people would be kind of surprised to learn what's on the list of these ingredients that weren't actually native to this country. They were introduced. Um, by the Europeans who colonized it. Can you give us some examples of those ingredients? Yeah, we just wanted to set up um, food situations that were really representative of where we were. So trying to create culturally and regionally appropriate foods and cutting out ingredients that we called colonial. So we stopped using things like dairy, wheat flour, cane sugar, even beef, pork, and chicken, because those ingredients did not exist on these land spaces not that long ago. And we just really wanted to showcase what was here regionally. So as we opened up the sous chef way back in 2014, and we started just creating recipes using all this wonderful food around us. So it was a study in agricultural foods, what kind of seeds were people utilizing, and are those seeds still out there? And then finding some native farmers that are still growing a lot of these cool heirloom varietals. And then just a huge study of ethnobotany and understanding all these wild foods that constantly surround our environments and really reconnecting with a lot of these plants in this in this uh, in these regions. So we've been able to, you know, identify all sorts of uses for so much food just around us. And I think that's such a great connection to have because when you really start to learn the names of the plants around you, you start to see nothing but food and medicine everywhere just as our ancestors did from our indigenous families. And this might be a good time to bring up NATIVES, which stands for North American Traditional Indigenous Food Systems. This is an organization also founded by Sean Sherman that focuses in part on indigenous food identification, gathering, cultivation, and preparation. I just think it's fascinating that the understanding of what's out there, as you explain it, you articulate it as food and medicine. And I think that that's just incredible. Everything in in the indigenous diet is medicine when it comes down to it. So all these foods are medicine and all these foods are preventative or health caring in some way or another. So we're just looking at, you know, so many wild species. So we started using, making things like cedar maple tea, you know, utilizing uh, just white cedar bough and uh, pure maple sugar, maple syrup. Um, but also tapping other trees like uh, the the box elders and the birch and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, utilizing a lot of conifers, utilizing things like uh, wild sumac, wild herbs like hyssop and bergamots um, or lead plant. Um, there's all sorts of, of course, winter greens and things that are easy to identify for some people. Um, and there's just so much around us. And it really just changes, you know, with which region you might be in. You know, because I remember the first time I saw a papa in the east, I was like, wow, what is this fruit? You know, mm-hmm. or being able to explore some of the desert plants in like uh, Southern California or the Southwest, or even wandering around some of the jungle, jungles around like uh, Western um, Nayarit in Mexico, you know, just taking the time to try and learn what these plants are and then doing some research and, you know, bringing some of these plants back into the kitchen even to play with them in real time to see what they're like. I think it's fascinating and in fairness if you look at how cultures have had conflicts in in history food has been a big part of the new culture taking over the old culture and that certainly sounds a little bit like what we could say happened to Native 
American food culture along with many other aspects of that food culture. So wouldn't it be wonderful, though, if along with all the typical fair restaurants that most of us are a little bit sick of eating at, frankly, so you mentioned like an Italian restaurant, it would be fantastic if these newer kinds of foods were introduced to us in a manner that also kind of shines light on the whole situation. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, because we just have this vision of the work that we're attempting to do to help develop more indigenous food entrepreneurs and indigenous food producers. And we're hoping that uh, eventually we can start to see more and more indigenous food businesses across the board. So it would be amazing if we could drive um, from east to west or west to east or north to south. And then along the way, um, just being able to stop at indigenous focused food businesses and really experience that regional diversity, not only in the culinary sense, but also the cultural sense. And, you know, it's just food carries so much cultural identity for people. And there's just so much to learn about all these indigenous uh, cultures that lie across just here in the U.S. alone. And then you open it up to Mexico and Canada and beyond. There's just so much out there. So we just feel like, you know, it's going to be a really exciting time. We feel like chefs should be really excited about uh, understanding more of the of the true flavors that's literally literally right outside their back door. And, you know, just being able to see a different future of just uh, appreciating healthy and regionally appropriate foods. We'll hear more of our interview with Sean Sherman on next week's episode of Grow. You can find more information about his virtual event with the ISU Horticulture Center on our website, wglt.org. I'm Sarah Nardi. Thanks for listening.